He is the one, isn't he? Jesus. Hey, let me get you get your Bibles, open them up over to the fifth chapter of Luke. I'm going to get you to stand. We don't always do that, but we are kind of the habit right now these days. So I want you to stand with Holy Scripture at hand. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 12, is where I'll begin reading just a little short narrative out of the Gospel of Luke. Luke 5, 12. While Jesus was in one of those towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. You can be seated. Well, we're going to talk about Jesus heals a man. Last weekend, I talked about Rabboni, Rabbi, the stages of becoming a rabbi, and we got into the cultural context of that. Well, here he is this week, another narrative text, and Jesus is so much more, and he is the healer. But here's the rabbi. He's the one. Uh, in the Hebrew, it would be Jehovah Rapha means God is my healer, and that's who he is. This morning, maybe you stand in need of physical healing or spiritual or physical or financial or relational or emotional or some kind of healing, just like Jesus, come, touch me. The prayer team that I assemble with every Sunday morning prior to service, we were praying for that to be flowing through here today, that maybe you'd get in that stream, that river, and say, God, touch me. Well, this morning, you, you look at this story, you probably read it a lot of times, you go, yeah, the man had leprosy, yeah. He got well. Well, let me tell you, if you had leprosy, that's pretty bad. The modern day, back before they even had all the drugs that we have today that have arrested and slowed down the people that have AIDS, it'd be like you had AIDS and it was full-blown. You were in advanced stages. You were in bad, 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 horrible shape. And yet this even takes it probably to another power, to another power, to another power, just a, a quotient I can't even describe. It's just a tough thing to have leprosy. You know, it's been eradicated in a lot of ways, but leprosy still is obvious that it happens on the earth. There's leper colonies. I've never been to one. But I want you to look at the top of your worship guide. There's a message quote there from a pastor from Granger Church called Mark Beeson, and he has an expression, and I like it. It says, to be connected to people is to be connected to pain. To be connected to people is to be connected to pain. And the church said... That's why I find a lot of people just don't want to be connected because if I'm connected, somehow I enter into your world and it could be good. But I could enter into your world and it could be full of pain and heartache and agony. Well, there's a thing that I'm really proud of and I celebrate in Christ's community. I don't know who we'll have today that'll be families that are visiting and military. We've had a great history of a lot of military families that come to our church for nine months, a year, two years. Every once in a while we get a four-year person. Every once in a while, somebody will actually retire. Praise God. I'll be glad when we have more of that. But they come through here. And there's a thing that we tried to make a part of our DNA. Let's embrace everybody where they are. However long or short the season might be, let's enter into life with them. And a lot of the military, they come to me and they go, you know, we, I hear this all the time. We're not going to miss Montgomery, but we're sure going to miss Christ community. We're going to miss you. Because somewhere they found a band of people that they felt like they had a relationship with and they entered into life. And for a lot of them, when they come to Montgomery, it's all about academics. For so many of them, they're studying. A lot of them are like, man, I thought I was through with this. 
No, you're not. Not if you're on the track of being an officer and you want to continue to grow in your career. You get to come to Fort Maxwell, I mean to Maxwell, and you get to do your thing. But here it is. To, to be in association relationship with people, you embrace their pain. Do you remember in junior high, they call it middle school now, do you remember maybe possibly an awkward stage or there was some boy or some girl, maybe in elementary or junior high that you knew, and you didn't choose to embrace them for whatever reason, maybe because they had too much drama, pain in their life. Maybe you thought they were different than you. you didn't, but, you know, pain is a real thing. It's real to kids. It's real to adults. And pain has physical consequences and physical reasons but also has spiritual reasons and we know that as we enter into it that it can be God's gift that in that pain we can learn things about ourselves God God can do new things so you know here's the thing I want to say to you if you want a friend you gotta you've heard it too huh if you want a friend you gotta be a friend I hear that a lot pastor y'all are so warm and you know, snugly and all this. Well, not snugly. That'd be kind of weird. And uh, you embrace people, and I just feel the warmth. But then I, I, you know, I don't have any friends. I'm saying, are you being a friend? Because I found if you really want to have friends, you got to invest in other people. Uh, later next month, we're going to be talking about our small group ministry kicking off of this semester, and we'll talk about if you want a friend, be a friend, do life together. We'll get there later. But what is the favorite title of Jesus? Get ready to write. I want you to write this down. The favorite title of Jesus: My beloved Son. That's what the father said about the son, about Jesus. He says, he's my beloved son. Now, there's a lot of different titles. He could be called the good shepherd. He could be called the healer, Lord, master, savior, redeemer, friend, all kind of things, son of God, son of man. But I love this term, he is my beloved son. Or the second one could be, I love this title, he is the friend of sinners, He's the friend of sinners. How many of you are glad Jesus is a friend of sinners? Man, I am. I mean, what did I have to give him? Nada. Nothing. And yet he came pursuing me just like he pursues you. And he says, hey, your friendship is worth everything to me. So Jesus has all these titles. Last weekend we learned about him being rabbi. But I wrote down some questions here as we try to launch into this gospel. I thought they were kind of interesting because we're talking about leprosy. Look at it. What, um, what illnesses are you most afraid of catching? Now, you don't have, this is not for you to answer. But just think, you know, all of us, you know, there's a swine flu, it's this, it's that epidemic, I'm worried about this, I'm worried if I get around. Like, i got to tell you, even honestly, and I know, and I get prayed up, and I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, and I understand all that. But a lot of times when people go into the hospital, I want to ask, used to, I just went charging like, uh, like I'd go to hell with a water pistol. I would just go charging out. But now I've learned as I get older to begin to ask, is this infectious? Is this contagious? Because I don't want to bring that home to my family i don't want to bring home to the staff i mean when people come to church and i love this as pastor because people know i like to embrace and hug people and a lot of times i embrace them and they tell me oh pastor i've been throwing up for two weeks just does wonders for me you know after you've hugged on me and i've hugged you and i've gone oh jesus please touch me you know i need the touch okay you got it here's the second one when have you felt shunned like a leper We've all probably had times when we felt like we were the outcast of society and we were shunned. The next one is, how did Jesus touch you then when you were the outcast, when you felt marginalized? I don't know. Next question, who are the lepers in your life? We all should have some lepers in our life, some people that don't necessarily fit in or they don't feel like they fit in and they're hurting, they're in pain. And the last one is, and this is probably the most important, have you got compassion for the hurting? What kind of compassion quotient do you have? Do you, do you hurt for those that hurt? Well, you know, this week, 
as I was studying this narrative, as I read this over and over, Jesus began to speak to me. Can I just be real honest? I pastor on the east corridor of growth off Chantilly Parkway. In a very unique setting, unlike the buildings that are really built out east, we chose to build a very modest facility, a metal building with some brick. We want to expand. We're very excited about that. And we love this campus, and it's a it's very high-techy when you get in here, but it's a very common building. But nevertheless, I serve over on the east side of the city, and I love it. And I live out here on the east side, and many of you do, and many of you live all over. Uh, matter of fact, we don't just have one zip code. we got zip codes from here to Prattville. I mean, all over, don't we, Mark? And we're glad. But, you know, then God started dealing with me. He goes, but who do you, do you really hang around poor? Oh, I hang around poor, and hang around rich and hang around all kind of people and all kind of people come to our weekend. I love that. But then Jesus began to make it real this week. He goes, well, are you going out to the poor though? They come to you because I get calls every day and I see people and I celebrate with them on the weekends. He goes, are you going out to them? And that's one of those moments when I got a knot in my gut and I knew Jesus was fixing to do something. You, You ever been there? And then I felt a gentle nudge in my spirit and a prompting. When's the last time you've been down to the Salvation Army, Keith? Not to do a project, not to take your church down there, just for you to go down there. I said, Lord, I hadn't been in quite a while. So this week, my week filled up. It was incredibly busy. And I told the staff, I wanted to be accountable. I went on record. I said, y'all hold me accountable. I've got to go to the Salvation Army before this week ends. God's calling me. Monday flew by. Tuesday flew by. Wednesday flew by. And Thursday, Judgment Day, I knew. Had a board meeting for Covenant Family. Went to that. I got up and left a board meeting early. I never do that. I said, I got an appointment downtown at the Salvation Army. It's really a point between me and God. I went to the Salvation Army and got to hang around some people that were pretty oppressed and hurting. And we got to stand out front. See, I, I got to tell you, I kind of like it. Sometimes as pastor, I get to park sometimes in a special place every once in a while over at the hospital. Sometimes people treat me better than they should. And I got over there and I got to stand outside with the homeless people just like everybody else grinning. And they're looking at me like, what does he want? And then finally the girl came, and she was running a little bit late, I'll have you know. I won't tell you how late, because the door was supposed to open up at a certain time. And she came in, and I, I got to go in and just meet people in the hall, and was walking up and down and asking questions and trying to encourage and find out what I could do. And here's all I'm going to tell you. God's calling me to step it up there. He's calling me to lead you in that effort. We're going to start going over to the Salvation Army sometimes. We might go over there and just feed them sometimes during lunch. Is anybody in on that? He's like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. That's kind of radical. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of Jesus. I didn't ask for these marching orders. He just gave them to me. You know what I'm saying? And it just helps us get there. Uh, Bill Hybels tells a story about one time he had a guy come in, and this guy came in, and then he had a great story. And he, he told a powerful story, and uh, he was real shabbily dressed, and he got through, and he just told everybody, he says, hey, I need shoes. I just need shoes for all these people who don't have any shoes. And the story was at Willow Creek, the association we're a part of, it's a mega, mega, it was one of the, probably the biggest mega church at the time, and now North Point or some of them are probably as big or bigger. They said when that service was over, 5,000 pair of shoes were left on the floor at Willow Creek that morning. And they said the coolest thing, People were barefooted running to the cars across the parking lot because their feet were burning because they didn't have any shoes. But they gave what they had. Now, some of you are going, he's going to ask us for his shoes this morning? Not today. 
So start wearing your worst shoes. No. I don't know. I just thought, gee, you know, you know, Matt, uh, uh, Dean, they did a, they did this drive one night with college students and they took up about 1,500, 1,300 pairs of shoes one night over at Auburn University. I'm just telling you, the compassion of Jesus, somewhere it goes a lot deeper than when you and I live. Would you agree? But I tell you what, man, I like to give, I like to tithe, I like to serve, I like to do this, I like to go to Mexico, I like to go to inner city, I like to do projects, but, and God's just saying, but I got something else for you, church. I just want you to hang out. I want you to have this quotient. I want, I don't want you to ignore the poor. And then Heibel's made a statement, and I want you to write this down. He says, that day when we gave away 5,000 pairs of shoes, he says, I went, aha, this is the church. We got these great t-shirts. I had a family grab me last weekend and go, that is the coolest t-shirt I've ever seen. The church has left the building. We got the t-shirts, hadn't we? Well, that's when the church becomes a church, when we get outside these walls. Just letting you think about it. And then I heard this, my faith in yours is diminished in direct proportion to the distance we keep from poor people. Wow. I can think of no one no greater than Mother Teresa, can you? tremendous person of value and worth and honor and she gave her life to serving the poor of calcutta so here it is so this man's got leprosy it's known as hansen's disease it, it, it's a gross disease it's very debilitating and i just i did some studying here it is because in in bible times leprosy was anything having to do with skin diseases so they didn't have a local dermatologist so you want to be interpreted they just said if you have a red spot or patches on your skin you're in bad shape but here, let me just describe some of it. It's running sores, a loss of digits on the fingers and toes, incredible pain, isolation, loss of sensation, muscle tissue fades, the bleaching of your skin goes white, the rotting of the body. Does that sound like you gross? You want to go have lunch with them? Probably not. The lepers were asked to move outside the city to live on the outskirts. They cannot become near. And as I continue to study about this, I learned this new thing. It says that some, their arms begin to fall off and they had nubs. And it says sometimes they would get a part of an arm and they would prop it up or something with a board. And this is what they did to the leper. The leper from Leviticus, I think it's 13, chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And it talks about unclean and leprous, the leprous people. But it says they would have to clap their arm together with this board and yell these words. Unclean! Unclean! And walk throughout. They had to make it known to everybody. Which it wasn't already debilitating enough to be isolated from society. They had to yell unclean. Wow. How embarrassing. Can you imagine the social implications? Also as I studied this. You got to remember when they got leprosy. They lost their spouse. They lost their children. They lost their jobs. They lost their reputation. They lost so much. And eventually they lost their life. The people of leprosy, man, it was a big, big deal. And the people, I don't know that they were so mean-spirited, but they didn't have the knowledge. They didn't have CNN. All they knew is that they would contaminate a family. They would contaminate a city. And if I came near, it just might be really bad, and and I might get it, and I might have to lose my family. So it says that as you study about the lepers, they became like the unclean beggars because they had no way to provide income, so they would just beg on the outskirts of the city that somebody might send them something there's a great book by max locato i think he's the best writer i've ever read he has a way of words like nobody i've ever read donna buys every one of his books they're they're incredible i want to read from the book just like jesus 
For five years, no one touched me. No one. Not one person, not my wife, not my child, not my friends. No one touched me. They saw me. They spoke to me. I sensed love in their voices. I saw concern in their eyes, but I didn't feel their touch. There was no touch, not once. No one touched me. What is coming to you? I coveted handshakes, warm embraces, a tap on the shoulder to get my attention, a kiss on the lips to still a heart. Such moments were taken from my world. No one touched me. No one bumped into me. What would I have given to be bumped into, to be caught in a crowd, for my shoulder to brush against another's? But for five years it had not happened. How could it? I was not allowed on the streets. Even the rabbis kept their distance from me. I was not permitted, permitted in my synagogue, not even welcome in my own house. I was untouchable. I was a leopard. And no one touched me until today. Here's what I find interesting that I talked to you about the rabbi last weekend. This rabbi, not a religious rabbi, the son of God, one day in this narrative account says that he walked up to the leopard and he touched him. Historians tell us that this man could have been 20 or 30 years a leper without a touch, without a handshake, without an embrace. Y'all, I can't hardly go hours without somebody touching me or shaking my hand or saying something to me. You know what I'm saying? And some of you are like, oh, man, I don't get it. Well, let's look at steps to wholeness real quick. Get ready to write. Got to do this quickly. Four steps to wholeness. Number one, Jesus has compassion. How about you and me? The Bible there says... In this account, it gives an other accounts of the story of the leper. And if you flip over to the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, I think it says in verse 41, he adds a little more. It's the same story, it just has different details, a different writer. He says, Jesus filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Jesus epitomizes, filled with compassion in his heart that made it way to action, touched the man. He had compassion for this leper that was full of pain, suffering, humiliation, and isolation. Filled with compassion, Rabbi Jesus touches the leper. Now, that, that is huge. And as I try to set it up, I mean, he hadn't, he hadn't touched. He hadn't had a handshake. And in, in the Greek, the word is katheto, grasp hold of, hold on to, fasten to. Jesus touched him. Now, for us, it's like, man, you know, I, I get a touch anytime I want to. Okay. But you don't have leprosy. You don't have some dreaded disease. It's like, i tell you who, hey, let me see if I can set it up for you this way. Your, your kid is very sick in the winter. And your kid, your kid has a fever virus, and your kid throws up profusely. And your kid says these words, Mommy, hold me. You know what? Most moms that I met don't go hmm, to the corner, child, to the edge of the house. What do moms do? They embrace those children. Germophobic germs and all, they embrace them. Well, so much greater. That's what Jesus does. He touches this leper. I mean, nobody's even, I mean, you read an earlier account of the leper, and it says they were on the edge of the town. One day, I think in the Gospel of Luke, there's, there's ten lepers, and Jesus heals them, and only how many return to thank Jesus? One. Did you notice what that story says? They were on the edge of the town. This leper decided to go for it. I abandoned. He entered into the town. He should have been yelling, unclean, unclean, because when he did that, people would have scattered, or they might have picked up rocks and thrown stones. 
But he entered in because he knew Jesus had the power. He was desperate. He went for a healing. I mean, it's just a different account as, as you read the gospel account of Jesus. And, and you go here. I, I like what uh, Colossians 3.12, right down the verse. Clothe, Therefore, as God's chosen people, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself with compassion. That's the quality of Jesus. Secondly, admit you have a problem, that you can't fix it, and that you're all alone. You and I have problems. Do we admit it? Well, sometimes we do. A lot of times we go, well, you know, and you know, and I know this. We don't get better until we have an admission, until we come clean with it. We go, look, I don't do this. Like, you don't lose weight until you decide, I've got a weight problem. You don't do better in a school course until you decide that you need help and you need assistance and you begin to study. You don't grow spiritually until you decide, I'm not where I want to be or where I used to be. I need to go for direction, for readjustment, for course, alignment. And you get help. Well, here we are. Here's the big one. We're separated from a God spiritually until we meet Jesus Christ. And we're isolated. We, we've, got a, we've got a sickness. We've got a, a thing that has no cure. And the cure shows up. The cure is Jesus for our sin. And until then, we're just left. We're separated and we're an outcast. We're untouchable. And Jesus touches us and makes us whole. You know, we feel alone. We're not alone. I see it all the time. People come to Christ. They go, I've been in a crowd. I've got this. I've got that. But I still feel alone. And then Jesus begins to fill that void and fill that place of life. Third thing, you recognize God's ability to make you whole. There's only one that makes us whole, and his name is Jesus. Oh, you can, you can go to Dr. Phil. You can go to Oprah. You can read books. You can get education. You can get money. You can do things. But ultimately, you're not whole. This man, the Bible says... He fell on his face. He dropped to his knees. He humbled himself before the king. Jesus was Lord. Jesus was master. He was in submission. And he throws his dependence utterly. He goes, I'm dependent upon you. I have come into the city unclean as I am. No touch. I need Jesus. Here's what I see. He showed his faith. He stated, I am making my declaration. I need to get next to Jesus. You know what happened to you? Happened for me. I was so far outside the camp, all bound up in sin with no cure, hopeless. And I met Mr. Hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he filled me with hope. So here it is. So he, and he puts this. And you know what else I found out about him? He puts total faith in Jesus. He has ability. He recognizes that Jesus is the healer, that Jesus can heal him. He didn't go, well, I think you could. The Bible says, if you are willing. He knew Jesus could. He just wanted to know if he was willing or not. Wow, it's just you got to read this and begin to dig and go, okay, so he, he, this heart is desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9, it's wicked. Who can cure it? Jesus. Look at the fourth one. Believe God for his touch. God's crazy about untouchables. I don't know about you. You might think, well, I'm, I'm not untouchable. Well, you are spiritually. And you could be in this life socially. I don't know. But God loves untouchables. He loves to touch people that are broken. Um, last weekend, I'm always out there in a the foyer greeting people, little kids, and there's this one kid, he comes up to me, and he just begins to hug me and hug me. And he didn't let go of me. Then he walks off, and he comes back, and he gets another hug. I love that, and I ain't going to lie to you. When Jesus said, let the children come unto me, it is the coolest thing, though, just when people want to go down and want to hug. And, uh, you know, y'all know my little thing with Abigail, and she throws her head back, and I kiss her, her little brother. True story. Little Cooper, he turned a, a year old the other day. 
I go up to him in the foyer. He went, Cooper, true story. As soon as I walk up, Cooper's been conditioned by his sister. He leaned his forehead into me so I could kiss it. I thought, this is great. The little children, they want to touch. They want warmth. I know you have some kids, they, they don't want much touch, but they need some touch. And you have some kids, they touch you, touch you, touch you. You know, some of you are touchy, some of you aren't. But there's something about the power of the touch. And Jesus, and, uh, the church said, you see, loneliness was treated by, I want you to see this. The loneliness of the leper was touched or was treated by the touch of Jesus. He was lonely. He got touched by Jesus. But I want you to see this. The infection, the disease leprosy, it was banished by a word. Jesus spoke. He touched first, then he spoke, and he was healed. When Jesus spoke to you recently? When Jesus speaks the word to you, there's healing, there's wholeness. It's, it's a powerful story. You know, earlier when I talked about this normal leper etiquette, when they were outside the city and then they got to come near, a beautiful, powerful thing is they came near, uh, or, or they, they were basically, I think, 50 to 100 yards away, and they go, unclean, unclean, and, you know, he had done something for them that they could come near. Well, this guy, he just goes for it, and he comes front and center. There was this touch. It's like you call your doctor and you're sick and your doctor calls a local pharmacist and they call in a prescription and you can't get better most of the time. But then sometimes you need the touch of the physician and you go skin to skin. See, I want you to think about this. This is all possible. Jesus Christ was all God and all man. But have you thought about this? Jesus was 33 years old when he died. He began his public ministry at 30, short-lived ministry. When Jesus touched the leper, he was completely man. He submitted himself to the Father. He was man. He was still God, but he took on all man qualities. When the leper touched Jesus, or when Jesus touched the leper, have you ever thought about this for a minute? Could Jesus have got leprosy that day? Let me tell you something I never thought about. Jesus didn't live long enough physically to know if it ever got manifested. But Jesus wasn't scared. He walked and gave his life as a ransom for many, and he submitted himself to touch the man. You're like, whoa! I didn't just mess with your theology. I just talked about the incarnate God called Jesus Christ that became completely man. Either he didn't become man or he did, and my Bible says Jesus became all man. He was already all of God. But he set aside his deity for a while that he might live among us as an example. Do you love Jesus more? I do. So he touches a leper. Just think, what if, what if he'd have manifested leprosy? Just wanted to mess you up. Five love languages. We were talking about the other day, weren't we, Jeremy? You and Rachel, and he's somewhere. Anyway, maybe you left. But we, we were talking about the love languages. And Gary Chapman wrote a, a great book. And he says there's five love languages. Words of affirmation. Quality time. The other one's receiving gifts. Acts of service. And the fifth one is what? Physical touch. And we all receive and act out one of these primary languages. And, and you ought to take the questions and, and do the survey and do the deal and and read the book but but here it is this physical touch we even know that is a need and we touch it and jesus touched the person 
I, I know, I write down this thought today. Here it is. The touch of Jesus liberates. Now, the touch of man is sometimes pretty profound or woman that's pretty powerful. But the touch of Jesus Christ liberates the person. It liberates the soul. And I've learned this. Once Jesus has touched you, you come again and again and again for the touch. Verse 14, he says, go and tell no one, but go to the priest and be accepted. So he didn't want to tell anybody. I, it's always like, well, why? But he wanted him to go to the priest, and the priest would validate him in the community if he saw that he was clean, he's cleansed, and you go forward. But this, this was a commandment. But this commandment was too hard for the man to follow. And he went and he told everybody, Hey, baby, I'm clean. I'm, touch me. Look at me. I don't smell. I don't stink. My, my limbs are back. Hey, baby, it's all good. He told everybody. And the Bible says that the news spread so quickly, Jesus then could never enter into the town again. So here's a principle. I want you to write it down. Always obey the word of God. I understand why he went and told everybody. But Jesus had just told him, don't do that. But he did. You just wonder here, what happened? Well, we do what Jesus says. We do what he tells us to do. And then the last thing is, it says he withdrew to a solitary place and he prayed. There's one thing about going to God. There's no shortcut. It always starts with prayer. You come to Jesus empty-handed. And you ask for him to extend his grace and love and mercy and his touch to you. And this morning, we all stand in need to be healed by a Savior. Maybe it's for salvation. Maybe it's for some sins we've committed. Maybe it's for whatever. But we're, we're terrified. We're frightened. And Jesus says, I want to come near. So this morning, I think here's what it does. Jesus comes near this morning at the table of communion. And I want you to write this in. I didn't forget. Message application. Go to the poor this week. I don't know who they are, but that's what Jesus said. Go to the downtrodden, the oppressed, the poor, the afflicted, bind them up and preach the good news of the gospel. And God's people said, that's God's word for today. Now, we're going to do something I absolutely love. We've even got a special for y'all. So you do not want to leave between now and the end, almost said now and 12 o'clock. You're like, are you going to preach at 12 o'clock? That's the next service. Okay. But let's, uh, let's get ready. Adam, you can come on over to the piano. And we're going to have Holy Communion where Jesus said, This is my body broken for you. The body of Christ broken for us. Church, the touch of Jesus. When you take the bread this morning, you're going to go to both stations. You're not coming forward. This is more illustrative. You're going to the side stations to the cross. And when you touch the bread... Sense that you're touching the body, you're touching Jesus spiritually. And then he said, this is my cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for you. You will take this bread today and you will dip it into the cup. And then you will receive this sacrament is the body and blood of Christ shed for you. We've got some powerful worship. This, this altar is open so you can come forward at any time and just kneel. But this side from there... Y'all will begin to go over there and be served by the body of Christ. Here, you're directed to this side. Go and worship. He is here.
Your truth is a lamp, your wisdom my life. I'm seeking your face with intentions of finding you. And I would run for a thousand years if I knew every step would be I'd swim to the ocean floor For my Lord is a treasure My Lord is a treasure I would run for a thousand years If I knew every step would be getting me closer I'd swim to the ocean floor for my Lord is a treasure, my Lord is a treasure, my Lord is a treasure, my Lord is a you're continuing to receive Holy Communion the Lord is our treasure isn't he he's a treasure given for us um, this next song call me old school which is kind of funny starting a contemporary church in 96 but I still have to go back there every now and then and to preach this message there's just an old song that just continued to well up 
And I asked Adam, he said, oh yeah, I can do that. And we've been singing around the church this week, having a good time with it. Some of you are going to recognize it. He'll just do a little part of it. You know it, singing along as people continue to receive communion. Just an old favorite Bill Gaither song. Go ahead, Adam. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Why don't you stand and sing it? Oh, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Something happened. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Well, you know, I bet that leper was the first one that wrote that, wasn't he? (laughs) Something happened. He touched me. I no longer stink. I no longer will be isolated. I can now enter into community. Do you have a little deeper understanding of the leper this morning than you've ever had? We just read it and go, oh, yeah, that's one of them cool acts of Jesus. But you know what happens today for us? We don't feel like we fit in. God grafts us in through Jesus Christ, his son, and we become part of the family of God. Isn't that an awesome concept? It's God's doing in Christ Jesus. Well, this morning we wanted to celebrate his table and his experience, and I hope you've been blessed. Next week we'll continue with a different narrative. We're going to look at the Centurion's faith next weekend. It's an amazing story of faith. Hey, I'm glad that you're here. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock on this campus, 6 to 8, we are family. I hope you'll bring somebody with you. Thanks for being here.